You're listening to The Jay Barker Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. Featuring Lars Anderson, New York Times best-selling author of 12 books and a 20-year veteran of Sports Illustrated. Matt Coulter, a former Alabama Broadcaster of the Year and longtime media personality. And Christian Miller, a national championship winning linebacker at Alabama who was drafted by the Carolina Panthers. Here's Lars, Matt, and Christian. What another beautiful day in Alabama, and it just keeps getting better. Welcome into Big Noon Sports. Matt Coulter along with Lars Anderson. Lars is actually at the studios over there in Tuscaloosa, tied 100.9, our affiliate there. And he is uh, soon to be going to class where he's uh, on the faculty, on the staff there at the University of Alabama's Journalism School. So uh, he'll be leaving us a little while. And Christian is, uh, as we say in the business, Lars, on assignment. He's at Pro Day. And only in the state of Alabama could Alabama's Pro Day, earlier uh, Auburn's Pro Day, actually bring it up to a tie or maybe even eclipse uh, the excitement of the NCAA tournament. I don't think it's done that, but we all want to know what's going on in Pro Day. Uh, Lars, how are things in T-Town? It's absolutely beautiful. Beautiful day, not a cloud in the sky. Uh, Life is good. The eyes of the NFL are on Tuscaloosa. The uh, <laughs> the entirety of, uh, of of the entire the entirety of the entire uh, everyone who is anyone basically uh, in the National Football League is here in Tuscaloosa for. Alabama's Pro Day, um, and uh, I've read that uh, 12 GMs are here, 10 head coaches, you know, dozens of scouts, um, and uh, it, it, it's interesting because yesterday Ohio State held their Pro Day, and so everyone was, was watching C.J. Stroud, and Stroud had dinner with um, with the owner of the Carolina Panthers uh, the night before, and uh, and apparently, uh, according to several different sources, that uh, he had dinner last night with Bryce Young. And so, it's, it's look. I think we all can agree that the top pick is either going to be Stroud or Young. And, and the fact that their pro days come on back-to-back days, it really gives the scouts and the staffs and even the owner of the Panthers a nice comparison, right? Of just like how the ball comes off of their hand, uh, the zip on the ball, the accuracy, um, you know, just the, the, all the different throws that they'll make. And I expect Bryce to perform very, very well, just like C.J. Stroud. He performed very, very good. Um, almost a perfect, you know, pro day. I think uh, he had maybe two or three throws. It was 28 up. of 32. Yeah, so he had a few. And th- one of the drops was his brother. <laughs> a few throws were off, uh, but not much. And... Um, 
Uh, I also know that that unlike most quarterbacks in their pro days, uh, they usually have another coach, a, a coach involved in some capacity. But uh, Stroud organized the whole thing himself. Uh, and and I, look, I know you don't want to extrapolate too much out of it, but of course, a lot of people have saying, oh, this is a, a, a great uh, show of his leadership. Uh, the fact that he was able to sort of script the entire uh, pro day, his own pro day himself. And, uh, and also he was, I think he was trying to highlight uh, his receivers as much as possible. Um, because oh, cool. because he he put on you know a dazzling performance at the combine right he already threw he really didn't even need to throw I think uh, so I and and uh, Bryce Young chose not to throw at the combine so I think it, this makes you know today a little bit more important for Bryce than yesterday was for CJ but um, you know I think uh, uh, it, it just. I, I think Bryce will put on a show. There's no doubt well, about it. I mean, I think he's throwing right now as we speak. I think they bolted out of the gate right afternoon, and Bryce is out there throwing, and I'm sure he's dazzling. I also think Bryce is uh, the kind of guy that doesn't have to call the attention to himself and somewhat narcissistic behavior and have his own. So he doesn't. So what you're telling me is C.J. Stroud uh, didn't go to the Ohio State pro pro day. He just pretty much had his own. Oh, that that is what it is. If he's highlighting receivers. Uh, oh, no, 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 I, no, I didn't mean no, no, I, I didn't mean that at all. It was Ohio State's oh. pro day. But just for his portion of the pro day, he he scripted everything like and, and, okay. and also he didn't need to throw because he he put on such a great performance at the combine. But I think he wanted the fact that he was throwing it brought the entirety of the NFL to Columbus yesterday to lay more eyes on his teammates, right? And and to try to give, you know, his teammates as much exposure as possible. And, um, and and yeah, we're going to go heavy on Alabama Pro Day at the top of this show. We're going to have Cole Thompson on, who is an NFL draft expert uh, here in about 10 minutes. And then we're also going to have Russ Bollinger, a good friend of mine who is a longtime NFL scout at the the bottom of the hour. So uh, and then after that, we'll transition and get into – Oh, yeah, there's some basketball going on, right, Matt? Yeah, there are four games today. you got Michigan State, K-State, Arkansas, UConn, go to Little Piggies, Florida Atlantic versus Tennessee, and then you got Gonzaga and UCLA. A note on Gonzaga in just a moment, because I want to talk a little basketball here at the top of the show before we get to Cole Thompson in about 10 minutes. Uh, a quick correction. When I said C.J. Stroud's brother dropped a pass, I was incorrect. It was Cam Newton's brother that dropped one of his passes when he was having his pro day at Auburn. I, th- I think of all the things we can talk about basketball, I, I think Mark Few's grabbing a, a few headlines. He, of course, is the Gonzaga basketball coach that has led them into the tournament year after year after year and to final fours as well, never won it all. Maybe this is his year. But he has expressed dismay with the NCAA's basketball selection. 
And I noticed when um, at the Birmingham regionals that it seemed there was a little something different in the way they shot. The balls were getting stuck on the rim some, too. It almost seemed like it was at one end of the court. But, Lars, did you see what Few said? He says they're brand-new, slick basketballs. And, you know, you really – it's kind of like a pitcher and umpires rub down baseballs. You don't want a brand-new baseball, okay? You want one that has been used a little bit. Same with basketball. And in a little time, I play – you shot. You were a shooter. Shooter, shoot. Lars, right? That's right. You don't want to shoot with a brand-new basketball, do you? No, you absolutely don't. And 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 like the the shine or the the slickness, like you said, and that's what uh, you, you don't want that because it's uh, it's slippery. And uh, yeah. he was basically saying we need to have uh, the ball inflated less, and we'd see better shooting and less fumbling with the ball. And you know this: if you shoot with a ball that is in, inflated to the max. It's much harder to make a shot because you're not going to get a friendly bounce on the rim. And so uh, you're going to real hard bounce. Yeah, you're going to get a hard bounce. And uh, I I certainly can understand uh, Fuse objection. I mean, a a lot of people may say, ah, you know, it's really not that important. And and uh, and and look, both teams are playing with the same ball. um, But. but yeah, I mean, you just have to look at, at, at Gonzaga and they're not shooting as efficiently from the field as they normally do. Um, uh, they're hitting, uh, let's see, I think, uh, man, they just made, they, they shot in, in, in their second round win against TCU, which was much closer than we thought it would be. It was 84 81. Uh, they made only 44.8% of their shots from the floor and just 8 of 25 from three. And uh, and that was their, I think, their worst performance of the season. Um, so, and, and, and this is a team that relies on... On, on shooting on their I mean everybody yeah, relies the, on uh, shooting but they the they really rely on nation. yeah yes so I I can uh, I can understand where he's coming from I don't understand the logic of the NCAA I mean we definitely need to get the other side of the story I don't know if Joe Gaither knows what that is Joe, <laughs> Joe does know all that's what I spent my show on today it doesn't make any sense yeah. <laughs> well, and here's the deal when you're talking. I understand few. Now, uh, by the way, both teams play with the same new slick basketball. But my point is exactly that. It's a, it's a big deal if you're leading the nation in scoring and you shoot to win. Yeah. And it's a big deal if you're Tennessee. Tennessee doesn't care if the ball is No. Flat. I mean, it favors, no. it favors a team like Tennessee. Yeah. Exactly. It and, it, and it favored TCU. Yeah. Um, although I, I think when I saw the Horn Frogs, it was a really, really good basketball team. I didn't know. I was not uh, aware of how good they were until I saw them play. But uh, they, I had a couple of guys tell me yesterday they put him in uh, Final Four. In fact, it was Jordan. Lars, wasn't it Jordan yesterday? When we were at Bob Baumhauer's, it said he had, I think he said he had TCU going his Final Four. Yeah, that's but right. But anyway, that's uh, – <laughs> That's uh, about the new slick basketballs in the tournament, and I wonder if they'll roll anything out different today. 
Probably not. Very excited. We're going to have Cole Thompson, uh, one of Laura's former teachers, former students, I should say. He's going to be on. Of course, he covers the NFL and the Houston Texans, but he lives in Houston. So, obviously, we're going to have to talk to him about the Cougars and the potential of a rematch for the Alabama Crimson Tide. And do remember in the second hour, we have Cole Thompson coming up in just a couple of minutes. Your friend, the scout, Russ Bollinger, is going to be on at 12.30. 12.30. And then Chris Giles, UAB great, former UAB great, former UAB coach. He is going to join us in the second hour because, by the way, the Blazers are headed to the Final Four in Vegas after a huge win against Vanderbilt last night. You're listening to Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. The children's music and dance teacher who couldn't cha-cha. I was always on my feet. It was just so painful. Elisa couldn't let her students down. So she stepped up and went to the Good Feet store for personally fitted arch supports. I would work an entire day and my feet didn't hurt at the end of the day. That was when I knew, wow, these are different. But the really good part? It's good to be dancing together again. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now that I'm pain free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 83. Tonight, fair with a low at 59. Tomorrow, partly sunny and warm during the day. Thunderstorms arrive late tomorrow night. Those storms could be severe. The daytime high, 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. He is taking in pro day. You know, Lars, I really think he's actually participating. He's going to make his comeback, and it's all started today. Okay, I am just kidding, but he'll have a full report tomorrow, and that'll be something to look forward to. Right now, we look forward to talking some NFL, some scouting, some pro days, and, yes, some basketball, Lars. Yeah, joining us now is my good buddy Cole Thompson, a uh, graduate of the University of Alabama who's now based in Houston and he, he covers the NFL and college football for Fan Nation uh, does a great job doing that and also has his own radio show called Just Saying It and uh, you can check that out at, at Sports Map Radio on uh, social media on Twitter uh, Cole, how are you doing my friend? Apparently I'm the most 
unrecognizable, most disingenuous Alabama alum that's ever lived because if I don't pick Alabama for number one in everything. So I get a lot of mention by everyone that I am just the worst human piece of garbage that ever walked through Tuscaloosa. Besides that, I'm pretty well. How are you? Hey, I taught you well. You're objective. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that's exactly what I, I was going to say. Today I, I'm doing I'm, my job. You're, you're not a homer. I'm sorry that, unfortunately, in this year's draft class, Cameron Lautu is not the number one tight end. Sue me, Alabama. You know what? I was actually going to ask you about Cameron Lautu, but we'll get to that in a second. <laughs> um, look, Cole, you're like me in that uh, I saw you tweet out that this is your favorite time of the year in the NFL. Oh, and, it, and I love it too, because I love roster construction and the different uh, philosophies that, that general managers pursue. What is it about this time of year that really fires your imagination and fires you up? I think the three biggest things is that number one, you don't know what you're getting in the NFL draft. And it's a big deal because of a lot of teams will swing and miss on players that went to massive institutions because of the name and branded recognition. And they'll end up getting a first round pick that's probably more of a third round talent because of just simply where they went to college. Meanwhile, you get a couple of superstars that fall to day three every single year. And you see the humility in these players and where they've come from to where by the time their rookie season comes to an end, they're already a superstar, but that same humble factor has never left their mind. I had a really good interview with Tariq Wollin of the Seattle Seahawks last season down in Mobile. And the simple just base of humility and sincerity about being able to go to the Senior Bowl, work with Jim Nagy, work with that staff, was really heartening for people. But I got to talk to him uh, right around Super Bowl week, and he's the exact same guy. I mean, this is a kid who's six foot four, has all the traits that you're looking for in a bona fide number one corner, but he falls to the fifth round because he went to UTSA and didn't play up against the quote unquote level of competition. And he basically has a shot to win defensive rookie of the year, if not for Sauce Gardner going off and becoming literally an, a, an exact clone of Darrell Revis. I think the other thing I really like is you get to kind of see what you mentioned, roster construction. I am one of these people that lives in the notion of two years ahead. I love that you can go ahead and have something in place for now, but there's always going to be that, that plethora of conversations of what happens if X player leaves free agency? What happens if X player retires or has a significant injury? And I think that Derrick Henry is one of those players that when you look back, it was an absolute nine thought process to think that the Tennessee Titans needed him because they just had a 13-yard 100 season from DeMarco Murray. And nowadays you're saying, how in the hell could Tennessee not take that Derrick Henry at pick number 44? Like, those are things that I think are really important. And I think that also the notions, the tidbits, the little things you hear around the NFL from people about what player is being looked at by what team, what number would they be able to fall into, uh, draft rankings, a prospect personal uh, personal level. I mean, there, there's everyone and their mother says running backs don't matter, but Bijan Robinson is the best offensive player in this year's draft class out of Texas. So, I mean, it, that, that, that's one of those outliers. Where does he fall in conversation? What player is going to – I mean, what team is going to get – a bona fide superstar that has elite skills in pass pro, that is an amazing route runner, is physical as all hell, and basically could be the most complete running back we've seen since I would say Ladanian Tomlinson. I mean, those are things that just gravitate toward me in the NFL draft. And I think that it's always really important to also see people and how they address 
watching the tape and watching the pro day. So, okay, speaking of pro days, what are your sources telling you about C.J. Stroud's performance yesterday? I mean, specifically from scouts, and I know you're tight with a lot of scouts. And then uh, what does Bryce Young need to accomplish today? He's about ready. He's going to throw here in, in just a little while. What What do you think Bryce Young is hoping to accomplish? Well, let's start off with C.J. Stroud. Everyone has their own counter-argument and their own counter-strike when it comes to the number of reps. But I was told by people that C.J. Stroud went 44-51 passing yesterday during the drills. And of those, four, of those, what was it, I think seven incompletions, four of them were on drop balls. One of them was a very errant throw, and two of them could have been caught, but it was a misdirection by the likes of the receiver and bad timing by Stroud. So we're talking about a guy that's getting a completion percentage, even though it's against air, of 81% or higher. That's something that will just translate to the NFL with ease because of you can say that the wide receivers that he had and Jackson Majigba, Mbuka, Chris Olave, Garrett Wilson, Marvin Harrison Jr. all were phenomenal, but his best throw of the day came to a third-ranked receiver on a 50-yard bomb down the field. So he has that touch, that accuracy, that poise, pocket awareness, everything that you're looking for in a franchise quarterback. And when it comes to the elusiveness, I feel like that if you're talking about an offense run by both Frank Reich and a similar offense by Bobby Slowick, who's going to be the Texans offensive coordinator, but is a disciple of Kyle Shanahan, you're not looking for the pizzazz. You're looking for the consistency factor. And I think that Stroud exudes all that. And he also has the size factor at six foot three, 215 pounds. I've never once worried about Bryce Young's height. I've never once sat here and said that Bryce Young, based off of height, is going to fail in the NFL. I've worried about his weight. But the fact that he weighed in at 204 in Indianapolis is a huge plus to his draft advantage. I think that when you just turn on the tape itself, that's going to speak massive volume to what he brings to the table in terms of passer. I mean, we can go ahead and focus in on la- on 2021 year where he had John Mechie, he had Jamison Williams, he had great running back play. But if you go and look at really 2022, the best weapon was Jameer Gibbs out of the backfield, and he didn't have the same offensive line, but the numbers didn't diminish. The production stayed stagnant. The overall uh, touch and accuracy and uh, delivery and counterproduction and decision-making skills we're second to none. So to me, it's just about showing off that same level of consistency. Have that velocity on passes 25 yards down the field. Be able to prove that you can make those platform throws 50 yards down strike. But really just also show off what you are as a person. I think that teams like Carolina and Houston are genuinely, genuinely interested in having a franchise quarterback that fans can gravitate to, that can come win over the locker room, that can come be that immediate leader because both of these teams are looking for players that are going to be long-term solutions. It's why Carolina gave up a 1,000-yard receiver and four draft picks to get to number one. And it's why the Texans, I think, honestly wanted to go get a leader of men in D'Amico Ryan's former Alabama linebacker. And they want to pair him with somebody who can be a leader on the offense, and especially at the quarterback position. Just a really quick follow-up. You mentioned Marvin Harrison Jr. Is it possible that he could be the number one overall pick in 2024? No, but I would say this. He would immediately be a top-five selection in this year's draft. I had a scout text me yesterday, and the same scout that texted me last year when he said 
that T.J. Stroud will end up being a bona fide top five pick when he was throwing with Chris Olave and with uh, Garrett Wilson. And the same Cal, Cal text me, LOL. Like, he's just that good. I, I mean, we're, we're talking about a, a receiving core that at one point featured Wilson, uh, Olave, uh, Jameson Williams, Emi Abeka, and, and this guy saying that, no, they're all second fiddle compared to Marvin Harrison Jr. Oh, and Jasmine the Jigba. Like, Jackson right. Njigbo was the second-tier player at his own pro day. That's ridiculous. Wow. <laughs> hey, Cole, when you hear uh, LOL, that's where you got to go. <laughs> Cole, at the end of today, both uh, CJ and Bryce will have performed. Will Carolina know who they're going to pick? Or do they already? I, I processed yesterday. David Tepper is one of these high-profile, aggressive owners that love C.J. Stroud saying, you know what, we'll see you in Charlotte. You know, one of the two things is going to happen. Either the Texans are going to fall in love with Bryce Young and be very comfortable taking him at pick number two, or Carolina's going to fall in love with Bryce Young and take him at pick number one. I, I don't think you're going wrong with either option. And unless they are absolutely floored by the upside and the potential of what Anthony Richardson does, and David Tepper is paying Josh McCown and that videographer a crap load of money just to go ahead and say, hey, Indianapolis, we're taking him at one. Go ahead and pay up. Let's go. Like, move up to number one. It just feels like these are the top two selections. Both are the safest quarterbacks in this year's draft. Both have all the traits that you look for in a franchise guy. Both have that leadership aspect that certainly is going to bode well inside locker rooms. And I think at the same time, you have to remember that even though C.J. Stratton didn't win the Heisman, he's a two-time Heisman finalist. So the production is there. And even though he didn't win a Big Ten championship or a national championship, he still did enough to where he literally garnered all the accolades of what you're looking for at the collegiate level. So I could see where Carolina is maybe wishy-washy back and forth to where Stroud has one thing that Young doesn't. Young has this one throw that Stroud can't make. But I do feel like that they've already kind of solidified themselves. One of these two is going to be the pick at number one. And whoever isn't the pick at number one is going to find a beautiful home and a nice option and a great opportunity in Houston at pick number two. All right, Cole. So give us your projection here. Uh, Give us your mock uh, one through five. You got Carolina, then Houston. You're you're the team that you are very familiar with. Arizona Cardinals picking three, Colts picking four, Seattle picking five. So I think number one is going to be C.J. Stroud to Carolina. I don't think they're going to get an offer. I think that that's just basically what you want in a Frank Reich style offense. So make that official. I think he goes number one. They're not trading up for an Anthony Richardson to get that pick. Number two, I think what you're going to see is Bryce Young go to Houston. I think it's the worst kept secret in the Misfits that are the New England Patriots. Love meshing together with Alabama football. Nick Saban has that rapport. He's going to be able to sell anyone on why Bryce Young is one of the greatest quarterbacks to walk through Tuscaloosa and why it would be an immediate fit in Houston. Number three, I think that Kira, I think that Indianapolis trades up. I really think that Indianapolis trades up to number three with Arizona just to solidify they're getting themselves a quarterback. And I personally think that they go with Will Levis. I think Levis is the guy who is probably the most Shane Steichen type of player 
where he has that mobility aspect, but what you're really asking for is more so that pro-style, quick decision, cut-free type, uh, type, type of play. And that's where he is going to thrive in a style of offense. Will Anderson, I think, actually falls out of the top five right now. I have heard from multiple people that Tyree Wilson from Texas Tech has been a name that has garnered a plethora of attention for the likes of the Arizona Cardinals. So if Arizona stays at number four, I think ultimately they're going to go with Tyree Wilson. And at pick number five, I think it's a toss-up, but when you have the skills of Anthony Richardson, and Seattle is one of these teams that does not miss when it comes to really selections and when it comes to overall records, they're not going to be picking top five again. I think if they just go ahead and add in a player who has all the potential in the world to where he will be a franchise quarterback in 2024, 2025, and let Geno Smith kind of show him the ropes that got to Mahomes, he falls to Seattle at number five. And then I think Will Anderson comes off the board as one of the steals of the draft at pick number six. Like, like Brad Holmes should be dancing his way Basically singing Kumbaya, you know, celebration by cool, you know, cool, cool kids in the band. He better be doing all that because if he's getting the number one player at pick number six, that's where Will Anderson goes. Great stuff, Cole. As always, Cole, real quick, let, I, I didn't hit my mic quickly enough. Cole, as we roll out into break, you're familiar with the drill. After Bryce and Will, Alabama players will be selected in the first round. Uh, I think for sure you will see Brian Branch, probably somewhere in the top 15, top 20. I think Jameer Gibbs sneaks his way at the end of round one. There's going to be a team that trades up for him. Bangles. And then I think Will Anderson at pick number six through seven. Like, like there's no way he falls out of the top 10. He's the best player in the draft. Thanks for your time, man. Always good stuff. There's Cole Thompson just saying it. You can listen to him. Just dialed up on, uh, what do you just... Hit the website and go. Is that how you listen? Maybe Cole's gone. Uh, hey, when we get back, more NFL talk, more Pro Day talk with Russ Bollinger right here on Big Noon Sports. From T-Town to the Plains, this is Alabama's most in-depth analysis on the SEC. This is Big Noon Sports. This is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home Two Suites. Come down to RR and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around, and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world renowned cigar and spirits destination. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports. Really big game last night in Nashville. UAB defeated Vanderbilt by a score. Vanderbilt by a score, 67 to 59. They now advance to the final four, and they'll be taking on Utah Valley. Uh, that game is scheduled. I'll get you the details here in just a minute. But Jelly last night had uh, 21 points, seven rebounds, and seven assists. I think the nation. Lars predicted that the nation was going to find out about Jelly Walker. He said through the NCAA, but Lars, I think this is just as good because now these games are getting national recognition and national television audiences. He was terrific in the second half. I love watching this kid play. 
love watching oh, him play. I do too. I think he goes to Belgium and makes four or five million dollars. Yeah, exactly. All right. Uh, okay. Our next guest is uh, Russ Bollinger. Uh, he's a longtime NFL scout, over 30 years uh, with a bunch of different teams, Jacksonville, Detroit, Washington, Rams, uh, Falcons. He played in the league for uh, nine seasons. Uh, um, and, um, and also what is really awesome is he's a playwright. And I want to start there, Russ. You and I met at the combine. You and I met at the yeah, combine sure uh, many years sure ago, just uh, randomly. And uh, I think what, what bonded us was our love of words, uh, because you were actually even a, a columnist for the D- Detroit Free Press for a while. But uh, tell us about your playwright and your playwriting background. Well, I played. Uh Thanks for having me. First of all, I appreciate this opportunity to talk to you guys again. Uh, I uh, always wanted to write a novel, uh, and that was always in the back of my head ever since high school because I was on a crazy high school team, which I didn't start my senior year, you know. And uh, I thought, well, this is crazy. And then by the middle of the year, I was starting, and I got to go to college, small college, so I wasn't really a pro prospect at the time. And I always thought, man, this is crazy. And then I got into college. And I played with a bunch of crazy guys at Long Beach State and University of California, Riverside. And I said, there's, there's a book in here somewhere. And then what happened was I played 10 years in the National Football League, got more material. And uh, after my career was over, I was living in L.A., playing for the Rams my last three years. And the whole time I played for Detroit, I lived in L.A. And I did a lot of uh, uh, football movies. And that was more material. Um, uh, I think I could write a whole book on the making of North Dallas 40. <laughs> so I was going to write a book. And the next thing I know, I'm, I'm, I'm getting acting gigs, uh, uh, you know, just small acting gigs. I thought I could make a living at it. So I started taking acting lessons. And I bumped into a fellow that was just moved out from Detroit. And he happened to be a big Lions fan. So he, he knew of me. And he was an attorney and he wanted to write and I wanted to write. And uh, we had an acting teacher who said, you know, you guys are really shitty at this Shakespeare stuff because uh, we were two grunts, right? And uh, so he said, y- y- you need to write, a p- what you guys need to do is write a scene and then you guys present the scene, something like in the locker room. Well, that we did that and, and uh, the acting teacher loved it. He said, you guys need to write a, a play about football. Uh, so we ended up writing a play about football together and it was the most fun we ever had and we had somebody give us money to produce it and then we started writing screenplays and we did that for five years uh unfortunately never never got any of them to screen so we didn't make the big money and we were still you know punking around being actors and stuff like that his name is john shalter and he's a great guy my best friend in life right now one of the best i've got a lot of them but anyway he uh kind of re he kind of uh you know, when you get out of football after you planted your, you know, I was 32 years old. That's all I knew. And he kind of rejuvenated my uh, my career, uh, you know, as an actor and stuff like that. He was a really positive guy. And so I owe a lot to him. And boy, we could we work. You know, we, we wrote that uh, we wrote that play in about two months. And then we started writing screenplays in four weeks. Wow. Uh, and hand it to somebody. And we would hand it to somebody. Give us your ideal. We'll write it. You give us the money. It was ten grand up front. 
And uh, five for him, five for me. We'd write it in a month, hand it to somebody, and they would just love it. Of course, we'd give them five rewrites, three, three or four uh, rewrites. And uh, we were just we just had a little machine going because everybody in Hollywood says, hey, I got an idea for a screenplay, but I, I don't have time to write it. They can't write it. And so we'll do it. Pay us. And we would take their idea and write it. And, God, we did about 15 of those. Um, and it wasn't really... We weren't really, you know, at the t- until you go, you're a screenwriter, you don't, and you don't get a movie that goes uh, to show, you know, you, you're really not in the business. So we were struggling. We both kind of went broke, and I had kids, and um, I had to get back into football, and I wanted to get back into football. And, uh, well, I took, uh, I became a graduate assistant at the age of 37 at the University of Utah, and I would help out in recruiting and coaching. And uh, and I took a writing class, you know, because you have to take classes. And I took a writing class and started to write my book. First, it was a memoir. Then it was a book. And then from that moment on, I just fell in love with it. my wife says, I've never seen you happier. I've never seen you have more energy. And uh, she's been kicking me in the pants. She wants me to write more. I basically, get out of her hair now because I'm, I'm retired after 25 years as a scout. <laughs> and uh, I'm kind of getting in her way. And she goes, you need to write another book. <laughs> so I did pen a novel, you know, and I've been holding on to that and uh, trying to figure out how a, a way to publish it. And then, of course, you and I bumped into you, and I've read all your books. And I just, you know, we clicked. Uh, we got a lot in common. Um, and uh, it was cool because we were at the Combine, you know, and I'm a scout. You're you're a, a reporter there, basically, I think, at the time. Uh you were hanging out. I forget. You were getting ready to write somebody's book. Yeah, uh, Bruce Arians. There you go. There you go. And gosh, we were just we just hit hit it off. You know. Yeah. And both had football in common, and and uh, that's kind of how now I, I got into it. You know. And I, I uh, and then I got a chance after uh, I was out of work for a couple of years, and the Detroit Free uh, uh, Press hired me to write a column on Sundays, which was really cool. A friend of mine. Uh, a guy named Dave Burkett, um, he, he helped me out with that. And we had a little radio show and um, just, just staying involved. And then I got back to work with the Falcons, which was like the seven best years of my life. Uh, and then when the coaching changed, switched over and the management changed, you know, I kind of fell by the wayside and I said, you know, I'm hanging the cleats up. I was waiting for somebody to, I said, I was waiting for somebody to fire me because I ain't going to quit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. And, and, and they did. And, uh, so I'm retired now, hanging out with my grandkids. We're getting ready to go see them uh, this weekend. I got, uh, you know, six of them, and I got four kids. And so uh, my wife and I are just enjoying life. And uh, now, Ross, she's he- bugging me to write. She's bugging me to write more. So, you know, that I got to get motivated. All right. You, just, uh, you, you know, the thing about writing is you just, you got to do it. <laughs> right. I mean, yeah. you just have to force yeah, yourself yeah, you to do it. It's, it's, it's tough. It's tough looking at that yeah. blank screen, but, uh, it gets easier yeah. after you punch out that first word. Um, you, know, you, you have more stories than, uh, from your career in, in, in football and Hollywood and, uh, than anyone I've, I've come across. You definitely were not the typical NFL scout, but, uh, just want to switch gears here real quick. Um, Alabama is holding their pro day today. And I, and, and I know okay. you, you're not, um, you know, scouting these yep. guys anymore, but just in general, are, are, are pro days important? What are scouts looking for? Uh, like say in Bryce Young, who's just about ready to start throwing right now. 
Well, you know, the, 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 the area scouts and the national scouts and the regional scouts, they all have their reports in, you know. And I, I did play the game, and I wasn't much about workouts, you know, because I really felt like, if, you know, if I watched the game tape and I went to a game and I saw how he acted on the sideline, good play, bad play, how he treats the coaches, how he treats his teammates, that's all I cared about. The you know then they go to the combine and they're all worked over. They've been in all star games and this is really where the 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 scouts make your money because we're there not just for the Bryce uh, Youngs because the brass is there if we're going to draft a quarterback, correct? And so uh, you know if you're not, you know the brass won't show up. And what I mean by the brass is the general manager and the college director. And, you know sometimes the president will go uh, and. Uh, you know, and they're they're going to have dinner with them, or they're going to really try to get to know them. You know, get that fit, and um, it, it's the other guys that you make your you make your money off. The, the younger scouts, the area scouts, they all make their money off the guys that aren't going to get drafted. You know, and I'm sure there's going to be guys at Alabama. There might be five to ten guys that get college free agent. You know, chances. And, you know, that people don't realize that after the draft, there's about 20 to 25 kids that are signed by each team uh, as college free agents. And uh, I know I was always in charge of the offensive line, and we had to sign at least five guys. So I had to have five free agents ready. And sometimes you have to recruit them, you know. Uh, sometimes those are the guys you got to have a feel for them, say, you think this guy will get drafted. Well, the reason why he's not going to get drafted, he didn't run well you know, or he's not strong enough or whatever it is. It's got to, he's got to have some negatives in his back pocket for you to say, okay, this guy can play football, but he's not really a workout guy, and, you know, in gym shorts and stuff like that. And then that's when you start talking to those guys. So it's a big event. It's, it's, it's the most fun we have because all the scouts have been seeing each other all fall on the road, the all-star games. The combine is just getting over at the end of the last month. And, and this is, you know, March, as they call it, March Madness. We call it March Madness, just like basketball. And the deal is, you know, we're all money pays in the barn. And we're all trying to get these free agents. So we're competing, and we all know each other. You know, there's 32 teams, and, uh, you know, I think there's 20. We had 22 guys on the scouting staff at uh, with, uh, with the Falcons when I left. So you think about that. That's a lot of characters. Now, you know, you have your own area and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, the, the national scout will go down there and, and maybe even the regional scout will go down to the Alabama work. And it's a big one. You know, Saban knows how to work it. He's been in the league. He lets us put our hands on him. It's called, you know, and like all the drills and stuff like that, really get a feel for him, see how they respond, get them gassed you know, and get them tired and see how they respond when you push them a little harder. You'd be surprised how many times kid, kids will quit. You'll know what kind of shape they're in, you know, if they've really been training, you know, if the agents have got their money, you know, as far as the kids uh, spending money on their clients, you know, getting them in shape for that big one day of the pro day or and or the combine. So it's, uh, it, it's a big event. Uh, you know, we all stay basically at the same hotels and and we all go together and we all work together, you know, uh, some of the smaller schools where you have the really the most fun because you're setting up all the drills and, you know, the coaches just let you have at the whole campus. You know, it's yours today. Help my kids out because we're a smaller program and we need to have more pro football players. And it's the relationships that you've built through the years that really makes it fun. Because, you know, I'll know a coach for 15, 20 years. 
And then all of a sudden, he's the head coach of the program, and he'll take me in and say, hey, Russ, help me out with Pro Day. You know, tell us what to do, line everybody up, get it going. Um, but I know they're in the draft this year, there's a kid up at Northern Michigan that's a big uh, former tight end offensive uh, tackle, a kid named Witt, you know, and I've kind of been following him because he kind of reminds me of, of me. I was a tight end all through uh, college, and then I started playing the offensive line my senior year, and I ended up playing guard in the NFL for a long time. You know, just little things, little tidbits like that. And you've got to know personalities. And you really have to know everybody at the school. You, scouts have to be people. Uh, they got to love people. And that's what I do. I just, you know, I, when I met you, I wasn't lost for words. Uh, and we uh, we just hit it off. And I, my wife says, you need to write a book about all the people you met in 25 years on airplanes. And all, all the travel. <laughs> I, I still think yeah, yeah, you're just like My me. Wife says, Who's that? Yeah. Oh, I'll be texting somebody. And I said, oh, this is right. guy I met, you know. And Russ, uh, unfortunately, we're up against a hard break here. Okay, Man, thank you, thank you so much. And uh, let, let's let's uh, let, let, let's talk really soon. Really appreciate it, man. Okay, Have a great one. Good. Hopefully, it helped you out. You yeah. bet. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. This is Big Noon Sports. We'll be right back. This is Big Noon Sports with Lars, Matt, and Christian. You've probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzenamain. And if you haven't tried the Mizzenamain dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. 365, 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow trucks, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this state. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Has the pandemic affected you? Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa, located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. The universal truth of women's shoes. The cuter they are, the more they hurt. You have to put your best foot forward, and if your best foot is an ugly shoe, oh my goodness. Lisa Ann thought she had to choose between looking good and feeling good until she got fitted for arch supports at the Good Feet store. Now I can wear the shoes that I've picked out because I like the way they look, not because they were comfortable. Good Feet relieved her pain and her fashion dilemma. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 83. Tonight, fair with a low at 59. Tomorrow, partly sunny and warm during the day. Thunderstorms arrive late tomorrow night. Those storms could be severe. The daytime high, 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 76 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter along with uh, Lars Anderson, Joe Gaither's to studio. He's our producer, does an excellent job day to day among his uh, 54 different tasks in 24-7. But um, Lars, I, I wanted to just go over UAB again real quick. Chris Giles, former player, uh, really, really good inside player for UAB back in the 80s. Uh, as the Blazers won 67 of 59, and you watched, uh, you said Jelly lit it up the second half. I watched some of it. He had 21, 7 and 7, 7 rebounds, 7 assists. Uh, their game, and, and I like this because the NIT knows their place, Lars. They can't go up against the NCAA. So they're going to play next Tuesday. What's, what are you doing next Tuesday? Watching UAB. Heck yeah. Uh, there'll be a. Uh, that game will be, it says 8.30 here. I'm not sure if that's Mountain Time, Central Time, or Eastern Time, but I'll clear that up during the break. But uh, thing about good. Jelly Walker, man, he's a typical, not a typical, he is a New York baller. I just love yep. his game, man. Well, that's I, because my, my, you used my, to play against I did, but we got to go. We gotta we'll break. talk about it. Probably seen their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the Strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Mizzen and Main. And if you haven't tried the Mizzen and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the Strip. Also, they've got a great e-commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. 365, 24-7. You'll find road and utility crews, tow trucks, law enforcement, and first responders working along Alabama's roadway. We're making improvements and helping our communities stay connected. We're working hard to make sure you're safe on the road. Now we need your help to make sure we're safe, too. Alabama's move over law requires you to move over a lane when you see flashing lights on the roadside. And if you can't safely move over, please slow down. Visit drivesafealabama.org. Brought to you by the Alabama Department of Transportation, Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of RR Cigars the Cigar.
Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the Home 2 Suites. Come down to r and and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Alabama Army National Guard. Aired by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Goodfeet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ADA, and this station. WTUG HD2 Northport and W265CG Tuscaloosa. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back to Big Noon Sports with Lars Anderson, Matt Coulter, and Christian Miller. On the show, Christian Miller is on assignment. Uh, he's got a pro day at the University of Alabama as uh, many players, including some former players, are participating at the football complex as we speak. Bryce Young may be throwing the football, and uh, man, I wish I was there. That'd be fun to watch. But uh, of course, the NCAA tournament, Sweet 16, starts today. But I want to get back to Pro Day and talk about that for just a little bit, Lars, because Slade Bolden and DJ Fluker are there. And that's the only two former, former players, I guess you could call them, that I see that are participating in this. But Joe Gaither, our producer, posted a picture of Fluker, and I he looked like Atlas. He's a very large man. Uh, I remember one time I... I think it was after the uh, LSU game in 2011 in Tuscaloosa. I was sort of just shadowing DJ as he walked off the field. I just could not believe what a large human being he was. But now he just he, he's ripped. I mean, I mean, Joe, what what did you think when you saw? And and, and I've seen a bit. We've got it on here at, at, at Tide 100.9, the, the the pro day. And Bryce is throwing right now, and he looks really sharp but uh joe when when you saw dj what, what were your thoughts uh he looks like he's ready to play three more years uh, he does 
he looks in shape. He looks like he's really transformed his body. I mean, he used to be kind of a, I mean, huge, always huge, but maybe not as solid. Uh, he, he looks ripped. Yeah, and right now, uh, Bryce Young just kind of going through the route tree. Some of his throws have been a little bit high, and and he kind of looks like he's a little bit disappointed in himself, but uh, the receivers are still catching the ball. And uh, and, and Joe, you and I just were talking very briefly. Jameer Gibbs looks just terrific. And I think he is going to have a huge impact in the NFL. What are your thoughts, Joe? I think he's going he's to be a heck of a weapon. A lot of teams are going to be coveting him uh, because of what he can do both in the running and passing game. And you get a uh, running back on a rookie deal, you can keep him kind of cost-controlled. Did you see, Lars, I'll ask you from a professor standpoint, he's partnered with the Cavender Twins uh, to, on, a, on a commercial for Cactus. Are you familiar with this? I'm not. Cactus is apparently an AI service that will write papers and help you with your homework. Oh, jeez. So how, uh, how do you feel from the professor standpoint? <laughs> have Jameer Gibbs promoting a promoting a, a service that will help your students perhaps write their papers. Yeah, that is very very troubling. Um, there needs to be. Uh, man, there's going to have to be sort of mechanisms in place where you can make sure that it's not. The papers aren't AI assisted, right? It I mean, was already difficult enough, wasn't it, Lars? <laughs> well, now- yeah. I mean, right now we we do have uh, a, a program called Turn It In, which uh, checks for plagiarism. But uh, I think there's going to have to be. It, 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 I'm not. I'm really not familiar with this, so I'm just sort of speaking the off the top of my head. Same company that Libby Dunn got, got that LSU yeah. came out and told their students, uh, put out a statement: if you use this, you'll basically be subject to academic misconduct. Yeah, and uh, yes. yeah. she's big time AI, big time on her social media, and she has what four billion followers. <laughs> yeah. Um, Boy, I don't know. I mean, if, if you're an NFL you team, you'd be able to spot an AI written paper. <sighs> Lars yes. might. I couldn't. Yes, I do. I don't think I could. I do. Really? Yeah. You know, it not only does that, uh, it, it just cheapens your life. Uh, it, it allows you to just to skate when you should be running or whatever well, you want to call it. I, I, but it, here's one of the things that this blew me away. You can send this information. Let's say you're. I wanted to put something on about Karen, my sweet, wonderful wife of ten plus years. I wanted to put in like what color hair she has, what her likes are, uh, her family, all this kind of stuff. I send them four or five sentences. They send me back a perfectly written poem. Now, is that from the heart? No. No, and and I and I assume uh, an AI written paper would probably have perfect grammar, right? Or or, or, close, or, or close to it. That or uh, it probably would be very mechanical. Very, yeah, very. I would think. You know, very dry. Very dry. Very dry. And that is the opposite of what I tell my students. I tell my students that 
the only way to make it as a writer is to be different, is to be creative, is to take challenges, is don't do, uh, people in the writing business will know this, know this, don't write the inverted pyramid AP style uh, game recap. I mean, give me something that is absolutely unique take readers to places where they can't go themselves and take chances, just push the envelope. And uh, if you fail, fail spectacularly. And I, I won't dock you for it at all. I just, uh, you got to be different. You got to be using your eyes as much as your ears. You got to be present. You need to be the first person there. You need to be the last person in the room. If all the reporters go left, you go right. Uh, don't watch a game from the press box. Get out into the stadium. See if you can find uh, Bryce Young's mom, dad, you know, family member. Just, just do anything that's different, right? And uh, and so anyway, yes, I would know very quickly uh, based on what I am encouraging my students to write if it had been uh, penned by uh, I don't know AI. Would you be able to tell if this particular student from day one was turning in AI material and you would have nothing to compare it to? Well, I, it depends because the, the first assignments I have them write are very personal. Right. So I, I, I and, and that just gives me a sense of their writing ability right out of the gate. Uh, Bryce Young just launched. Oh, my gosh. A beautiful about 60 yard pass. But it was dropped by the receiver. Um, uh, yeah. So I have them write uh, typically their favorite sports memory. Right. And, and, uh, and, and I want them to be personal. Was it watching a game with your dad? Did it bring you closer to your mom, sibling, uh, a friend? Uh, what was it about that experience? And, and, and really sort of just soak in that experience, live in that experience, recreate that experience for me. So I don't know if there's a program out there that really could replicate the kind of emotion that I'm looking for. And I always tell my students, emotion is power when it comes to writing. And if you write with emotion, if it's fueled with emotion by emotion, that will give a propulsive force to your writing that nothing else can. You got to just put your heart into it and, uh, and and give of yourself to it and commit yourself to it. And don't be afraid to be vulnerable. Don't be afraid to, um, again, take chances. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I could know I could I could see that right away. And also right away, I can see like if somebody has the it factor. If, if, if a student has that magic and uh, and also but I also believe that it can be developed like I, I think I'm a better writer now than I was you know 10 years ago five years ago I don't think you necessarily peak as a writer until you're in your 70s I mean it's just something that you get better at and and that you just uh, you, you keep working at it and writing isn't just about sitting in front of the computer and uh, and, 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 and and banging on the on the keyboard it's it, it's with you all the time 
like you're always thinking about it and you're thinking about structure. You're thinking about unique ways to approach a piece about who you should interview, what questions you should ask. Uh, um, you know, it's, it's like, you know, people have asked me, well, how long did it take you to write a 5,000 word story? Well, when I'm just in front of my laptop, you know, I, I actually can write pretty fast. But it's because I've been thinking about it for five right. days. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. All right. That's the writing lesson for the it's like day. How, how, how long have you been pre- preparing for this? All my life. Right. You know? Yeah. Since, since I was able to type, speak, walk, whatever. Uh, I did. I, I, Matt, I actually learned. I'm sure you did, too. I learned how to type on a manual typewriter. Oh, so do I. I still have it. It's upstairs. It's my mom's. I love it. And right now, it'd probably sell for $500. Because it is literally an antique. Uh, I think my mother got it when she was in college, so that would be around 1950. But it's a beautiful piece, and it will never leave my sight. Um, it's a, an assignment. I have a suggestion for your class. Have them write a piece that's personal, then have them take the the key pieces of it, enter it into AI, and then compare them. I, I, I would be curious, because I really... I, I think I dislike this as much as you do, if not more. It's just cheating on every level. All right. Uh, that being said, uh, you want to talk, let's get back to some basketball, Lars. Uh, why does Eric Musselman take off his shirt? No, yeah. we're not going to go down that road. We're going to bring in Chris Giles, former UAB player and coach. Um, I was... Uh, on the road with this guy for many, many years when he was coaching at UAB and just a delightful man. Birmingham guy, you know, part of those UAB teams that were kicking everybody all over the floor and they didn't know what UAB was. And, you know, and Matt, they do now. I, I, I hate to say this, but I, I actually need to get over to campus okay. and uh, you have, have, some? have a great rest of the show. And uh, yeah, I'm gonna, I'll be I'll be right now. I'll be driving right by uh, the uh, facility there. But uh, I need to head to Reese Pfeiffer and uh, sculpt some mines, hopefully in a positive Make way. Make sure they're not using AI. Of course, you can tell. Roger, uh, Roger right. that. Uh, thank, thank you, Lars. We'll uh, we'll talk again tomorrow on the Friday edition of Big Noon Sports. We'll be back with UAB's Chris Giles in just a moment. Covering SEC sports like Kudzu on the roadside. This is Big Noon Sports. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 83. Tonight, fair with the low at 59. Tomorrow, partly sunny and warm during the day. Thunderstorms arrive late tomorrow night. Those storms could be severe. The daytime high, 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 78 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Anytime's a good time to go to Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, Having been there and done that, uh, that's a good deal. But going next week... That would be fabulous as UAB has advanced to the final four in the National Invitational Tournament, which is very good. They uh, they did this by defeating Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt 
by a score of 67 to 59. Join us to talk about that and maybe a stroll or two down memory lane is former Parker Thundering Herd, UAB Blazer, UAB Blazer coach, head coach for Miles. Uh, let's bring in Chris Giles. Chris, Matt, how you been? I've been doing good, Matt. I appreciate you having me on the show. Oh, well, you know, you and I have racked up some miles on the road, so we have a great history. And I was thinking about it a minute ago. From your first day you walked on the UAB campus, you know, we've known each other 40 years, Chris. Yes, yes, that's a long (laughs) time. Let you know how fast those years go by. Wow, it's amazing. What did you think of UAB's performance last night? Oh, I thought they played a great game. You know, I, I saw them play Sunday when they played Moorhead State. And then last night, I saw the improvement in the big guy from my Rams in high school from Birmingham. He's been playing well. He played well uh, in the Moorhead State game. He played well last night. And the kid that got some pieces, man, he can go to different players. It's not just Jelly. He got a, uh, some other guys that can go out there and perform pretty good. Yeah, I you know I think UAB grew up a little when when Jelly was out. Uh, they learned to play without him. Now they lost a couple of games. There's no question about that. But that's when Buffin, Jemison, and I love Eric Gaines. He falls asleep every once in a while, but I think he's got a pretty high basketball IQ. But getting back to my original question, Chris, did did the loss of Jelly Jordan Walker? Did that actually, in the long run, help UAB? I think it did. And to find out probably that he had other guys that can play. You know, uh, the Brewer kid had a good, a big game against Mohead State. He had a career high of 25 points. So sometimes when you lose a star player, then other guys feel the responsibility to step up. And I think, like you said, once they stepped up, you know, they begin to fill their roles and they like what they're doing. You know, you got more guys contributing now. I mean, Jelly didn't have a 21 points, but he he got off to a bad start. I think he was like 0 for 10 or 1 for 10 at the beginning of the game, the first half. Then the second half, he came out, he kind of settled down, and he got going. But the other guys were carrying the team at one point. They were indeed, but uh, when Jelly got going, he, like you said, he ended up with 21, but he also had seven rebounds and seven assists. So sometimes when a shooter can't shoot, uh, Jelly has the ability to go in other directions and still help his team. Well, I don't know what Andy Kennedy told him at halftime. I think he told him probably get some layups and, and, and make some short shots or shoot yeah. some short shots. And so he did that. You know, he, he got in a little closer and got himself going and the basket got bigger. Then he started making plays. And, uh, and Jelly's a phenomenal shooter, man. Good God Almighty. This guy got some range. He got a short game. He got a long game. He can lay the ball up. I mean, he's quick. He's accurate. He can handle the ball. Because last night, he was playing more like a point guard for some reason. You know, he was distributing the ball a lot, you know. So um, maybe Anderson, I need you to shoot more the second half and take some close-in shots till you get going. Will Jelly play? I I know he'll play professional basketball, but do you likely see him in the NBA or maybe some European ball? I don't know. You know, the NBA has changed so much. You know, uh, some teams look for big guards, some teams look for little guards. But the most important thing with Jelly is that he can put the ball in the basket. So he'll have an opportunity uh, to play, you know, uh, at least a trial in the NBA. Uh, if he don't make it in the NBA, sure, he have a 
opportunity to play overseas in some type of league or the G League. They they, they make pretty good money yeah. in the G League and uh, have a, t- a lot of opportunity to hone the skills and then maybe try out for the NBA again. But he'll have that opportunity. Because one thing about Jelly, he can shoot the ball. He's consistent. And he can handle the ball, you know. So yeah. uh, it don't take but one team to love you, Matt. That's all it takes. You don't need every team to love you. but just one team to love you. And uh, I think that he will have some opportunity somewhere. And if it is overseas, you can make some really, really good money there. I know Morris Finley went over for a while, didn't Mo? Mo did pretty well over in Europe, didn't he? Yeah, he did. Mo played about ooh eight, nine, ten years yeah. overseas, and you know, overseas when I was coming out of uh, college, they mainly looked for big guys that can shoot. They didn't. They weren't guard oriented as much, but now I guess it's changed. Um, you had to go to Italy to make the big money, and that was kind of like playing in the NFL. I mean, playing in the NBA. So, like I said, the game has changed. You got the G League. I mean, over hundred thousand dollars, pretty good in the G League. When I played in the CBA, my contract was six thousand dollars. So, you know, these guys are making pretty good money. But he, he'll have some opportunity, and he can play as long as he wants, as long as he performs, like Mo did. Mo kept moving up. Matter of fact, he started out in the little league, and then he got better and better and better till he he topped out at you know uh, one of the better leagues. Overseas, you played for the Wisconsin Flyers in the CBA. Uh, take a little, take a little trip about uh, playing up in Wisconsin. A kid from Birmingham. Oh man, it was a, it was a, it was a good experience, and it was a bad experience. Number one, the snow, and if you know anything about Oshkosh, Oshkosh is <laughs> a two hours from uh, Milwaukee. Uh, you're around. Green Bay, you know, you're closer to Green Bay, so you're right there in Fond du Lac, Green Bay, and 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 uh, but it's a great sports town. That was the first year they had a, a basketball team in that community, and the people came out and they supported the team, and uh, we didn't win as much as we want, but I was one of the top players. Um, I averaged about 15 points and like seven rebounds, and. Uh, our coach was a guy by the name of uh, Dave Harshman. He coached with uh, oh the guy used to be the head coach at Michigan State, Judge Heco. And he was on the team when when uh, Michigan State won the national championship with Magic Johnson. And his dad, his father, was named Mom Harshman, who coached at Washington State, I think, for many years. Washington, Washington State. So I, I enjoyed the experience. There's a lot of players from Birmingham. Or, Played college basketball that played in the CBA. Um, I was going to be, you know, I was, the, the, the Chicago Bulls were interested in me, but I would decide to go and be a coach. So uh, um, I had a lot of teams interested in me, but I never went to the training camp. I became a basketball coach over at UAB as a graduate assistant for Gene Bartow. And then you later came back. Weren't you on Mike's staff um, and won a conference championship? That's when you and I were traveling around, I think. Yes, sir. You know, uh, came back home, coached at Jackson State in Jackson, Mississippi. Came back home to be on Mike Anderson's staff. staff and we had a great run there. You know, the first year we went to the NIT. I think we didn't make it to the semifinals, but we, we played up in um, St. John. We lost to St. John. Over there in the in, in the St. John Arena, 
Boy, that's they the worst. Of, that's the worst officiated game I've ever seen in my life. And I don't jump on officials. That's a hard, hard job. But there's no question they wanted St. John's at Madison Square Garden and not UAB. Would you agree? We can say that now. Yeah, I agree. I definitely agree. You know, we gave us some home cooking, and you know, going up there, you had to participate. You know, some home cooking. Plus, St. John was struggling. You know, it was a program that was going down and going down fast. I hate what happened to Mike Anderson two Me weeks too. ago when he lost his job and everything. Left. But, it, you know, that's a tough situation and a tough play to play, place to play. But we had an opportunity the next year. We went to the NCAA and Sweet uh, 16, I want to say. And we beat Kentucky, who was the number one team overall in the NCAA. And then we lost to Kansas. But out of the four years at UAB with Mike Anderson, we went to full postseason play. One NIT and three NCAA's. So it was it was it was fun. Uh, we played against some great teams. We beat LSU up in uh, Boise, yeah, in uh, Idaho. That's <laughs> uh, John Brady was the head coach. Man, do you remember in the second half? I'm sorry. Let's just go down memory lane. I remember broadcasting with with uh, Gary Sanders, who's by the way at the ceiling at Bartow. He's so renowned as a broadcaster. But I remember in the second half, UAB was wearing LSU out, and Brady just put his hands up in the air, dropped them down, took off his jacket, just sat on the bench with his head in his hands. There was nothing he could do. Do you remember that? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, the funny thing, you know, we played them twice that year. We played them down in the Sugar Bowl tournament or down in New Orleans, and they beat them. And the yep. little guard that they had, you know, he was pretty good. Tank tank something. I can't think his last name. But he's probably been pretty good. And and then John Brady and one of the sisters, uh, Bush Pierre, they were walking out, and me and Mike was walking out. And uh, Bush, uh, John Brady said, 40 minutes ahead, that's some bullshit. And Mike said, what? And so we played them up there in Boise State with the aptitude to have Big Baby. They had about, what, two or three first-round NBA draft choices. Yeah. And they couldn't stand that Big Baby got so tired, he, couldn't, he was just walking up and down the floor and squeaking was just stealing the ball from that little guard they had. And, and Brady took him out and got to arguing with him on the bench. It was something else. But we, we bounced back and we beat I didn't know Brady said that. Yeah, yeah. I didn't know. Hell, uh, well, you know what? <laughs> Whatever comes around goes around, and, and it did with Brady. Uh, of course, Brady was always real quick to say something on emotion, um, but he'd settle down later. Uh, I like John; he's a good guy. He appears on our show, but I don't. I don't like him for saying that. But he got his just due. Hey, talk a little bit about your playing days. At UAB, you came out of Parker High School. You were one of the guys that founded the program with with Gene Bartow. And then who knew uh, that you were going to end up a couple of years later in the Elite Eight? And again, that was a huge win over Kentucky. Just talk about those guys and particularly the influence that Gene Bartow had uh, on UAB basketball. Of course, he was the influencer. Oh, yeah. No question about it. You know, my freshman year, I went to Southern Illinois. I signed with them out of high school before UAB had got a program. But when they started, Coach Bartow came looking for players, but I already had signed with Southern Illinois. But I came back, you know, and uh, the one thing that Coach Bartow did that most people didn't understand is that Coach Bartow, he was a guy, he was a guy that, 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 that was very positive and he kind of influenced you a lot of the things he said. 
he always used to tell us that if we wanted to be like the UCLA's and the Dukes of North Carolina, these are the things we need to do. And the first year that I was able to play, 1979, we went to the NIT with Keith McCoy, Larry Spice, and George Jones, and Stan Scales and Greg. George Jones, what a shooter. <laughs> yes, sir. So then after that, when them guys left, nobody expected anything from UAB because we had about six seniors, and they left, and they played most of the time. And Oliver Roberts and Glenn Marcus were coming off the bench. I was playing sparingly. So once the next year, we um, Coach Bartow recruited Craig Lane, who played at Lawson State right here in Birmingham. He recruited our Jonah Nicholas, who was from New York, who played out in California in the community college. And then Norman Anchor became eligible. So we, we Coach Bartow always played a great schedule. And we went out there and we we, we, we kind of played. We played consistently and we played South Alabama here in Birmingham doing homecoming because basketball, we kind of like had a homecoming. And they was like ranked like 15th in the country. And we ended up beating them. And uh, so we got to, you know, we, we started feeling ourselves, feeling good about ourselves. And as the season went on, Coach Bartow, he was regular talking about if we want to be in the big time, he used to always use that word big time. These are the things you got to do. Unfortunately, we lost the, the championship against DCU over in uh, Charlotte. Uh, we lost by one point in the championship game. But the NCAA, the NCAA had just expanded from 32 to 48 teams. So they was looking to add some more teams. And the Sunbelt Conference with big boobers in it, then the commissioner, they was deciding which team that they were going to take. By us beating South Alabama twice that year, we knocked them out the tournament, the Sunbelt tournament. Yeah. We lost to VCU. They took two, two teams at the Sunbelt. They took the tournament champion, which was VCU, and they took the run-up team, which was us. And I can never forget, Matt, uh, Coach Bardo told us to stay in shape. Because, I, you know, the Sunbelt tournament will always end early than most tournament would just begin. And he told us to stay in shape. So that day when it came to Selection Sunday, we was in the gym and we had this little bit of TV before they had the big TV. We was (laughs) the TV looking and all of a sudden this basketball rolled up and it said UAB. I think we were like 21 and 9 or 21 and 8 or something like that. And they said they would be playing in Tuscaloosa, Alabama against Western Kentucky. Man, everybody jumped up and started screaming. We were so excited. Coach Bartow was excited because he was back in the, the element he always wanted to be, you know, back into the NCAA. Third year of the program, you know, we had players like Glenn Marcus and Oliver Robinson and Donnie Spear and myself and Jonah Nichols and Craig Lane. And we went down there, and our first NCAA game was against Western Kentucky. Okay, but... During that time, you know how you have practice time. So as we went down there to practice, Alabama, they was going to play St. John up in New York. Yeah, yeah, uh, Blue Carnesecca. Yeah, and against Walter Berry, one of the top players in the country. Good and, player. Uh, so we, we had our little cockiness, and we walked down there, and we saw them, and we said, well, who the best team in the state now? We said, y'all going to the <laughs> not in the tournament. You know, just joking and stuff like that, because Ron Ryan. Eddie Phillips, all of us that went to high school together, and we know Eric Richardson and the rest of these guys, and uh, we always to brag on each other. So we went down there, West Kentucky, we stretching, and they came, they comes on the floor after us. They said, ooh, UAB. 
y'all some little bit of, I ain't gonna say that word, but it's an MF word. And I was looking at me and, and we looked at each other and said, we'll see tomorrow night. So when we chipped the ball off, man, we just, we beat them like 99 to 66 or something. Yeah. And that was our first win, you know, in the NCAA. And then the next team we had to play was the University of Kentucky with Sam Bowie, uh, Melvin Turpin, Dirk Minifield. Uh, and they just won the NCAA in, what, 78 or 70, Yeah, 78. Yeah. yeah, Marquette won in 77. So, yeah, 78, I believe. Yeah, 78. So, Joe B. Hall was the coach. And Linda Hamilton and Joe Dean, they was assistants on that on that staff. Yeah. But we had played Kentucky early in the, during the Christmas tournament they had up there, and they beat us by eight, I think, in that tournament. So we wasn't afraid of them because we already had played them. We played them close, and Oliver didn't really have a good game that game. So once we got in there and we started playing, I mean, it was just it was just so different, man, because, you know, Kentucky always bring a, a crowd of, of fans. But Birmingham, you know, they came out and they supported us. It was so loud in that gym from the people from Birmingham. We couldn't believe it, Matt. And uh, after that game, you know, the next game, we played Indiana and Bobby Knight with Isaiah Thomas and, uh, uh, oh, what's the guy's name? Um, uh, was May on that team or is that the year before? No, no, uh, no, two years before. No, no, that was, that was two years before. Uh, they had uh, Isaiah, they had uh, Kitchell. They had, oh, yeah. They had Jim Thomas, and I forgot the other. But they had Landon Turner before he got hurt. He got hurt right after they won the championship uh, in an accident. So they had a, they had a great team, and uh, we ended up playing against Isaiah. Glenn Marcus had a great game against Isaiah. And Isaiah kind of, I mean, Glenn Marcus fired out the game, so Isaiah kind of got loose on him. But I didn't know what a great player Isaiah was until, you know, went against him. And I was like, oh, my God. And, uh yeah. But, you know, we had an opportunity because Barto was happy, you know. He was back in the big time, and he said, we are in the big time. And any time you get to the Sweet 16, uh, I mean, even though, I mean, that's still an a, 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 a accomplishment, getting to the Sweet 16. Absolutely. And we, uh, was just, we was ecstatic because we had never been there before. You know, I was about to been to the NCAA with Coach Barto and Lee Hunt. And uh, oh, yeah. at, at that particular time, uh, hey, you know, uh, uh, I remember, I remember about in distinct detail, but I forgot to pick up milk on the way on yesterday. So, Chris, we got to do this again next time. We'll do it over a glass of brown water. But uh, I love talking to you. You know, if we leave now, we can probably get to Vegas by because uh, you and I'd have to hits, right? We could probably get to Vegas by Tuesday, don't you think? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you know what, Matt, before you go, I think Andy Kennedy, I think he went to the semifinals as a player. So he might be the only one as a player, as a coach, to make it to the semifinals uh, uh, being the Final Four of the NIT. I think they get to Connecticut. They they beat Connecticut. I forgot who they lost to, but... I think he was a player on that team with Barry Bender and those guys. I think they won at stores, if, if I'm not. And then maybe they lost the next one. But anyway, it's been a pleasure, Chris. We'll talk again soon. Thanks for your time. Go Blazers. Thank you. Go, go Blazers. All right. Chris Giles.
What a player. What a good guy, too. Hey, y'all, when we come back, uh, Pro Day continues at the University of Alabama. But we've got some other news and notes that will bring your way on Big Noon Sports. This is the Big Noon Sports Network. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. We are here treating patients from every generation. Across the United States. And from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers. Trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers. Who are resilient. And won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches. Athletic trainers and mentors. Who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Got NIL money, but then there's Texas money. And A&M and Texas can outspend just about everybody. Well, when they need more money, Matt, they just turn the turn the spigot on. Turn the oil, That's the right. oil on. Let's just uh, put another well on the ground here. Um, yeah, there's a lot of Texas oil money, but uh, we'll see about that. Hey, uh, wanted to uh, talk with you about a goalie. Okay, we're going to do that on the other side of this break. Uh, If you follow hockey, I don't know if you followed uh, this particular goalie, um, but you're Joe, my my jaw dropped when I saw this. This is jaw dropping stuff when we get back on Big Noon Sports. You're listening to The Jay Barker Show, live from the AVX Studios in downtown Birmingham. COVID-19 has disrupted our lives, but it won't have the last word. We will. Across Alabama, thousands are getting vaccinated to protect themselves and others. Find out where you can get the COVID vaccine today at alabamaunites.com. Please get vaccinated. If you have symptoms, also get tested for COVID-19. Alabama Unites Against COVID. Sponsored by the ADPH, the ABA, and this station. The story of the nurse and the foot pain that nearly brought him down. I feel like I'm giving people their lives back. Robert lived to take care of his patients, but he couldn't do it unless he took care of his foot pain. I have plantar fasciitis. It'll almost put you on your knees. That's how much it hurts. His own recovery started when he got fitted for arch supports at the Goodfeet store. Now that I'm pain-free, I can make these people feel better. Can't beat that. Stop by or schedule your free fitting at goodfeet.com. Serving part-time in the Army National Guard has led to a lot of firsts for me. It paid for me to be the first person in my family to go to school. That education got me to the first day at my dream job, which I can still hold while I serve part-time. That job and the home loan benefits I got from the Army National Guard helped me buy my first house. I also know that I will be one of the first to respond if my community ever needs me. Sponsored by the Alabama Army National Guard. Aired by the Alabama Broadcasters Association and this station. Hey, this is Reagan, owner of R&R Cigars, the Cigar Mansion in downtown Tuscaloosa. Located at 2703 6th Street across from the home two suites. Come down to R&R and see why we're the ultimate cigar and bourbon experience. With over 165 bourbons and five private barrels, our selection of bourbon is unmatched. We have the best cocktails around and our cigar selection is legendary. 
Our lounge and service are world-class. Come and experience the luxury of the mansion and see why it's a world-renowned cigar and spirits destination. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama, we are here treating patients from every generation across the United States and from around the world. We're here for the rookies and the dreamers trying to make a name for themselves. We are here for the achievers who are resilient and won't take no for an answer. We're here for the coaches, athletic trainers, and mentors who are shaping the next generation of legends. We are here for you. Aggressively pursuing victory over injury. Learn more at andrewsportsmedicine.com. Their clothing around town on game days, but check out Christopher Mobley on the strip. It's luxury game day apparel redefined. It's the only place in town where you can find Todd Hoops apparel. Clothing designed for the modern day entrepreneur, golf enthusiast, and athleisure fanatic. They've got Peter Millar, Viore, Grayson, and Miz and Main. And if you haven't tried the Miz and Main dress shirts, you've got to. You can find them at 1410 University Boulevard on the strip. Also, they've got a great e commerce site at ChristopherMobley.shop. So check out Christopher Mobley, luxury game day apparel redefined. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A very warm afternoon with a good supply of sunshine. The high today, 83. Tonight, fair with the low at 59. Tomorrow, partly sunny and warm during the day. Thunderstorms arrive late tomorrow night. Those storms could be severe. The daytime high, 82. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 79 degrees in Tuscaloosa. A national championship team covering a national championship team. The best sports talk in the state. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Back on Big Noon Sports, Matt Coulter. Lars Anderson is uh, in class teaching journalism at the University of Alabama and at the University of Alabama doing his homework is Christian Miller. He'll be back tomorrow to report on Pro Day. I know you got it up on your monitor there, Joe. Uh, have you seen anything? Any more on Bryce? Is he just nailing it? Can you just give us a, a thumb, a thumbnail sketch of what's happening in Alabama uh, football? It seems so, like uh, the throwing ex, the throwing portion of this workout did not go, didn't go perfect. Uh, I don't want to condemn our man Bryce Young, but uh, it seems like there was, looked like there was a few misses here and there, but Matt, here's, I don't, Pro Day doesn't matter worth a bleep. It doesn't matter for anything. It's a scripted workout. I don't. I, 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 I don't put a whole lot of stock into today. Hey, it's the tape. Uh, watch the scrambling he did. That you know the most amazing play I think that he pulled off all year. Of course, there were several. But remember the play when Alabama was coming back against Texas, and uh, you know you could have read and or written war and peace he was just scrambling around scrambling around scrambling around finally completion it was uh it's unbelievable that's what you look at i do think though i'll say quickly that uh, for a guy like bryce and uh, will anderson jr um i think what you say is true pro day is for guys like cam latu yes that didn't get a chance he, he pulled a hammy and he did not get the opportunity to perform in indianapolis so it's for him. It's for Slade Bolton and DJ Fluker. those kinds of yes, guys. Yes, those guys. Exactly. It's a big deal for them. 
and by the way, if you're the Panthers and you're coming down to the very last minute to watch his pro day, and that's where you're going to make your decision on, uh, I might get another scouting team. <laughs> well, it's going to be a huge for a guy. I ask you, Matt, how big is it for an Eli Ricks who says that he's a first-round draft, uh, draft talent? We obviously didn't see him for a half the year or so, but the last half of the year he played well. How big is yep. a day like today for Eli Ricks? I think it keeps him, if he really, really does well today, he could go into first round. Uh, if, if he's just, uh, can you say average with a guy with Eli Ricks talent? Uh, I don't know. Uh, then he goes mid-second. But um, we'll see how that works out. All right. At the risk of offending, and, you know, Joe, in this day and age, I can walk out the door to get my mail and I'll offend somebody somehow. We just all have such thin skin. But I'm going to risk it right now because I saw this story on a hockey goalie, professional hockey goalie, a female professional hockey goalie. Her name is Michaela Demeter. Uh, She played in the Professional Women's Hockey League as a goalie. But she wrecked her knee in 2019. Since then, she has become an Instagram model. And what a successful modeling career she has had already. But I don't want to go into great detail because this is really, this is an audio medium. It's not a visual. But I don't care what gender you are. You need to see this person just because, as I told Joe uh, in our discussion pregame, she's like an 11.7. Joe, I don't know if you want to get into this fray or not, but if you've got time sometime today, Google Michaela Demeter because um, she's some kind of special talent. Can I say that without hacking somebody off, Joe? I think that's a a nice conservative way to put it. Um, I'm not even really sure where she's from. That name, she may be like from Sweden or something like that. I don't, I don't know what the Michaela Demeter. Probably should have looked that up too, but something uh, distracted me. Uh, can't imagine what that would be. She's Canadian. Uh, 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 she's Canadian. Oh. She's only at 22 me, years old. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, uh, Pamela Anderson was from Canada, and she's she's attractive in her own way, too. But uh, this, Michaela beat her to the stripe by about 17 lengths. Um, okay. Am, am I risking political incorrectness? Oh, I think you just ran, you took us all the way to the end, Matt. I wasn't okay. you off, but we're at the end. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can't talk about it anymore. Um, okay, tomorrow, Christian will be back in studio, and he will give us a literally an up-to-date report on what's happening at Pro Day right now as we speak. Lars will be back as well. Um, Going to be joined by the play-by-play announcer, the UAB Blazers. That will be uh, David Crane, who uh, used to be based out of Tuscaloosa. Used to do some Alabama broadcasting as well. But we will speak with him. And I think I'll make an effort to get Chris Walsh on, too, to talk about Pro Day, Alabama football, and Alabama basketball. Because, uh, by the way, Alabama plays tomorrow night. Tomorrow afternoon.